Domo and Redman are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey guys and girls, this is Simo and welcome to episode 39 of our Thong Slavers short story series that we call To The 60. This is called Exile and Redmond Jack Thompson delves into a place that we've probably all been at some stage of our lives. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Hey Simo, this is not a really To The 60 but I just thought I'd let you have a listen to something I wrote a few months apart, these two pieces, and I didn't realise that they were the same piece until I started playing around with my blog. This is the first part, it's called Cold. Cold weather is the most suitable bed partner to exile. A loss of true north complements a drop of the thermometer. Misery loves 5 degrees C. The cold is as personal as it is seasonal. Unlike the cold of Oberon's imp dancing across a frosty field in the moonlight, and definitely unlike the cold of the mysterious water of a black midnight Nordic ford, also nothing like the beautiful deep cold of an alpine stream flowing through a forest of granite and spruce. Exile cold is the cold of not eating for two days like the cold of unwelcome herald of the first pioneering unwanted cancer cells. The cold is a loss of home and hearth, the loss of a laden meat board, good wine and laugh and laughter in a warm yellow lit hall. As my personal compass loses its bearings, I sit in the cold, quiet, sleepless night of this empty house and watch the thermometer drop. I listen to the echo of both this empty house and my mind's eye as I replay the strategies of my, of my policies that led arrow straight to my statelessness. Foreign. To feel foreign, strange and unfamiliar. The restlessness of not fitting in anywhere during this hideous stage of the uproot. The nervous pacing and incessant wringing of hands is just an extremity cardio idiosyncrasy workout. Complemented by a racing 24-7 mind without a crux, cure or revelation is what I tell myself. Statelessness. Without state. No sight, smell, sound, feeling or experience can feel the hollow of my own place. Pain. I disappear into books to displace my hollowness. I attempt to cast off the shadow with the 12 noon bright sunshine of literature. It works. The 26 letters do their magic. The sentences and paragraphs fill the wound, voids, dints and gasps of my spirit, and gaps of my spirit. They cover up the longing I have, but like a scuba tank of air, they only work while I'm underwater, in their pages. The moment I resurface, my supply fails and the pain joins the cold to further weary me. Exile. Personal sovereignty is a state of dignity. Statehood is as cerebral as it is geographical, that is, easily usurped or deflated by a cold foreign wooden hall. Deflated by a cold foreign wooden hall on pre-dawn feet, or by my food not owning the larder it lodges in. Sovereignty writ small is about making gravy in your favourite saucepan, or watering a difficult but nurtured gravilla with a hose at dusk, or at least your familiar expectant teapot at dawn. I feel fleeting and wispy. Did Isaac and Rebecca renounce the sunshine as they sat sleepless and nervous while they took their repast by that Babylonian river while they remembered Zion? Did Joseph Anton recant his memoirs and verses as the murderous clan decreed his death? I guess that's all a bit lofty for my exile, but it feels every bit as fucking venomous. Fuck. I sit in this hollow empty house somewhere between the midnight hour and dawn with only the metronome of this old typewriter to keep me company. I have a bottle of cognac as an outrigger to this typewriter, but I do not feel like boozing, but just would like to create a link from this suburban typewriter back to Hemingway, London, Steinbeck and Kerouac. It's a stretch from this typewriter to them authors, but that is the continuity of fiction. The very meaning of a drot English literature is fiction. By the power vested in fiction, I reach out from this cold, boring, grey insomniac room and I join Rushdie and Tolkien and their glorious and unfaltering worlds. The dawn is almost here. 
That is my favourite part of the night, the renewal. I feel tired yet restless, so I pour myself a shot of cognac and turn the heater on in my bedroom. The cognac warms the place that 48 hours of no food leaves rent. I'm writing at my typewriter. I understand with Dawn's yellow light, these will be little better than stanzas of gibberish. I put Pink Floyd's Delicate Sound of Thunder album on. Loud. White noise by Pink Floyd. I back up the prior head of cognac with a twin and quickly drain it. I slice myself some cheese and eat it with absolutely no appetite. I should beat the dawn and go lay prone in that cold, grey and passionless bed. Let my endoskeleton do its boring rebuild. Sleep is the devil. Bed before dishonour. Fuck. This house is like a black and white film on repeat with no volume. Fuck. How can I rebuild the wall? An empty house is the perfect bed partner for insomnia. Fuck. Colourless, tasteless and meaningless dwelling with the atmosphere of a coffin. Fuck. I know sleep is a myth, a state of happiness that I cannot reach. Fuck. I cannot eat. I cannot sit awake staring numb at the stupid television. Fuck. This empty fucking house. No smell from a meal. No noise or fuss from a friend. No sounds or yaps from a hungry rat dog or two. Fuck. No routine. No anything. The demons push away companionship. Fuck them and dare them to hell. Except they will not take domicile in purgatory, as they will prefer to dwell here in my abode. That is the very nature of misery. It inhabits the space where joy should reside, as spilt ink is to white paper. Misery is a dark tenant. Misery lacks a rental bond. It stays on its own terms. The crux. So this is part two of what I wrote. It's actually the crux of part one. Of chocolate and sex. We are in her bedroom. The candles flicker and I see her arched back. Even the silhouette on a wall reminds me of Cleopatra. Female. Feminine. Fomina. Every sensual thing in this room has touched my lips. Her, the chocolate and the wine. Throughout this tryst the power shifts. It alternates between us so many times it becomes unimportant. At once demanding, then the yield. This pattern repeats until it becomes insignificant and true passion surfaces as our inhibitions drip away, as does our sweat. We fuck until we make love, then the metronome corrects itself and we fuck again. We thrash back to the top but fail to summit due to the tempo swing which leaves us making love for a while until the pendulum sw swings its fuck manifesto again. Breathe into me. Breathing is the first thing we do and the last breath is the ultimate act, even becoming a byword for death. It is fitting that the most basic and life-giving function of breathing takes on such an erotic form with sex. Audible. This sound is ecstasy's audio doppelganger. I am heightened and drawn to the tension and release in her very breath. Our flesh seems to morph and adapt to the task. Firm flesh gets pounded into a sweaty, tenderised morsel, only to give in and become the weak and quivering flesh of satisfaction. Intermission. Two sweaty humans sit on the bed's end, the DMZ, the demilitarised zone. We share a glass of wine and some chocolate. The wine is red and warm, as if absorbing or maybe radiating the fire red passion we are floating on. It makes me heady and relaxed. We crack jokes and laugh. Joy. Whilst removed from the centre stage, this intermission has the feeling of two thespians taking a recess behind the curtain. We are laughing and cracking ribald comments regarding each other's main stage delivery, bloopers, blunders and performance. I tell her about Cleopatra. She tells me about passion. The wine vessel is now empty and the hollow glass rings out as it's placed on the bedside table as if it's a bell. Timekeeping opens up a new ledger, so we reconcile it with gusto. The sun is threatening to light the night in its unholy attempt to pry apart lovers and expel labourers and roosters from their beds. I tell her I have to go. She says, stay. I explain I cannot, as we need to lock away last night and keep it every bit as precious as any Roman queen's gems. Every feeling needs to be justified. 
the explosiveness during the initiation of this lover's night must have the counterpoint of the lovers dragging themselves apart. I want to electrify every feeling. The chocolate on my lips, the wine in my head, and the lover now behind her closed chamber's door all pay condition, all pay homage to the original condition of being alive. Out here on the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we are stoned, immaculate. Written by Redmond. Okay, Smokes, well, that'll do us for this episode, and we look forward to speaking to you in our regular podcast, which is out next week. Thanks for joining us. See ya.